hello, hello, welcome back, official second episode, definitely didn't lose the audio on what was supposed to be the actual one, we, we didn't, I, what do you mean, it was great, didn't sound fucked up at all. Yeah, definitely did not have any audio problems in the first part take of this episode, no, but no. we are back, we're doing it, it's happening. Yes, so this is the, so we've done Fraggle Rock already, which was my start of the showing things, and we have moved on to Mars introducing me, technically reintroducing me to Attack on Titan. Uh, I watched Attack on Titan maybe when I was like 12 or 14, and um, I watched season one, and I was like, that was cool, and then I forgot all about it, because I didn't watch any of the other stuff that came out after it. (laughs) And uh, I've been realizing as we've been watching, I remember much, much less than I even initially thought. And I don't really know shit about the show at all. (laughs) Honestly, I think it's a great idea that you're watching it now because I think a lot of the topics that this show discusses is easier to comprehend as we grow older. I mean, I've met a lot of fans who have watched it as a kid and then rewatched it as an adult and was like, man. You know, I very much understand this show on a uh, philosophical level than I did as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I so in what was supposed to be the first episode, we had stopped at the first five episodes and I was left on the cliffhanger of Aaron uh, getting his leg and arm eaten and and presumably dying. Before Uh, we say anything, though, this will contain spoilers for season one of Attack on Titan. So if you haven't seen it... (laughs) And I also Turn want to off. say, yeah. And I also want to say, if uh, if anyone is gets upset with me for any reason that I didn't mention that before, I don't feel bad if you didn't assume spoilers. That I don't know why you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is a very spoiler, probably heavy uh, podcast when we discuss the things that we like. Yes. So we left off this time entirely. We're ten episodes in. We left off. If I could pull it up, we're leaving off on the. The prelude to the counterattack, part one, is where we where we left off. Um, yeah. which is kind of, it's it's a little bit crazy, um, because I I truly didn't think, like, oh wait so a minute, we... no we didn't, we left off at the Battle of Trost District Part Six. I was reading the numbers wrong. Oh, okay, yes. And when we first uh, tried to shoot this, like the first part of this podcast, we went into a lot about, because uh, we only watched the five, first five episodes, which doesn't mm-hmm. give you much, but also at the same time gives you a lot. Um, we start off with the show, you know, young Aaron waking up from this weird dream, Mikasa hovering over him, and then enter into this attack of the walls by these two giant titans, which we've come to find out to be called as the Armor Titan and Colossal Titan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we I think we discussed a little bit about how the titans work um, from what we know. In, I think that in the first five episodes, we find out that there is the Abnormal Titans, Regular Titan, and then the Armored and Colossal. Yes, which and are I'm like pro- their own subset of titan. Yeah, I would say that the Armor and Colossal are a lot different since they seem cognitive in their selves oh yeah um, well we well i remember when we had talked about it the first time you were very upset with me because uh <laughs> i had guessed immediately or at least noticed immediately that who the armor titan was in within the squad regiment i can't remember his name but i i retained Reiner. knowledge of <laughs> yeah i i retained knowledge of um like a little bits and pieces here like i know who the female titan is as well because that was like a, a big thing so like i i'd be surprised if i'd forgotten that but i remember when all the scouts i believe they're called were lined up i immediately noticed that they looked insanely similar like to like too similar to the point where i was like hey like i remember i paused and i was like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute wait a second <laughs> and i i was literally okay i was so upset i was like oh my god and if if aot fans are listening i mean i feel like a lot of us did not i mean for myself i too i did not make that connection i the whole time i was just like 
who is what's going on? The colossal titan, armor titan. Hmm, this is interesting. <laughs> Nowhere did my brain be like, hmm, Reiner looks exactly like the armor titan. Maybe he is. <laughs> no idea. No idea. And I, her name is Annie, who eventually Annie. we find out is the female titan. And I will say that this is a little funny, but a lot of people thought um, Annie, uh, uh, when we first meet her uh, as Titan form, was like Armin's mom. And that, that was my thought, too. I was like, or I think it was, I forgot whose mom we were thinking. Uh, I thought it was. But I was like, hmm, this is Armin's mom. But no, can't did not register that the fact that, you know, the Titan form looks almost identical to the person that it is. <laughs> so frustrated that you got that very it was just so funny because i i like i immediately saw him and it was like the jawline and the haircut i was like that looks so familiar and you know the, the i believe that the scenes are also like not far from one another so like I, since i still had the dude the colossal their armor titan very fresh in my mind i was like hold on wait a minute hold on wait a minute <laughs> and then same hairline yeah <laughs> And then we, we had also talked about, um, and what I had noticed is like how they each seemed, at least so far from what we've seen, the big three, or we, the big two still, because we have not been introduced to the female Titan, but the big two, which is the Colossal Titan, and then the Armored Titan, and how I felt that the Armored, or the Colossal Titan, was very much like, and, and the Armored, both of them are just there to like follow orders of some kind, because they do one thing and leave, and leave the rest up to just the other Titans to do uh yeah you know considering they can do so much damage it's very interesting that like they're portrayed like that to just be like i need you to do this and then just dip dip out <laughs> yes and i will say i have uh i'm i'm caught up with where it, uh attack on titan is currently at with season season four part one i think it's like 144 days until part two hopefully mappa i love you please bring it to us <laughs> um uh it does, I can't, so it's hard for me to, like, also talk about this without massively spoiling it for you. Um, but there is kind of that, it is very much a thing where they have, you know, things to do and not to do too much. Um, it will be, I think, I don't know when it's revealed exactly, but um, I, do you have any idea who the Colossal Titan might be? Do you I actually kinda? that's that's the one I don't because the dude's just all muscle like he's all mm. he, had, he doesn't have any distinct enough features like armor titan was very easy to pull from because he looks exactly like uh Reiner and same with the female titan later on they look very very similar the colossal titan the dude is quite literally just muscle tissue I can't pull anything from that I could guess but like I would most likely be wrong yes um uh I think it's like season two when you like, I'm not sure exactly, but okay, good. Because I, I, I want to keep some of this stuff like, you know, not like guessing and spoil free. Um, at least you have one to be surprised about. Hopefully, well, it, well, that's the thing is like, I could only assume because like once you know one or two of them, like they like, so Reiner and, and Annie seemed to always be paired off. And then there's the tall guy. The, the very tall one that Reiner talks to and hangs out with that we were also introduced to. I forgot his name because he hasn't said much since that episode where we were talking about like where he was talking to Aaron and Armin when they were still in training. And it's uh, like, yes, I could assume it's him just because he's tall. <laughs> like, but that like that's literally just like going off like the other ones I'm sure of. Like, I was very sure it was Reiner, Reiner, however you say it, even if you had told me no that it wasn't like i was i was dead set on like there's no way like it's too similar there's literally no way it's not with him it's just muscle to the dude doesn't even have hair nothing for me to go off of so i could literally be like he's tall colossal titan sure why not you know boy i have nothing to confirm that <laughs> Only, colossal titan you know. is very interesting and his name is bertholt um That's name. but you can call him any b word that you can think of because there's a long-running joke that in the show nobody can say Bertolt's name right and um nobody in the fandom will say his name right like i call him benadryl or butterscotch <laughs> anything bertie <laughs> homie is just there standing looking like he has no idea what's going on 
Um, he's he's a cool character. I think Isayama was actually gonna make Bertolt the main character, which is interesting because yes, you don't I get much from him. This. Yeah, it's yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying because he had his moment with Reiner in that, that that episode where they were still at the training area, and he hasn't said much of anything since, unless I just was not paying attention to him um at all but it feels like i haven't heard much from him since then like in five episodes i've not heard a word out of him we yeah actually within the, the five episodes that we just recently watched i don't think he said one word maybe like oh help or something or like reiner i don't know i don't i he's quiet shy <laughs> guy i don't know much about him um but yeah we're introduced to this year it's i think it's 1845 the walls of shinganshin china district fall which i think last ep when we did this first time around we like kind of discussed the walls a little bit and how they're designed it's still in my head quite confusing how big this place is yeah like it, it's i still believe i have like some of the images from like the first time we went over it and how there's like this inner wall and then with and then i remember i was very confused because i believe within one of them was like something they had labeled the titan forest and i was very uh, confused yeah. as to why it was enclosed within the outer wall rather than it being put outside and then i think you had said i guess like something along the lines of they just could not move it <laughs> yes okay i found the images it's like a little bit scrolled up for them i think we i think oh my gosh it was uh july 16th when we tried to do this last um oh my god almost a whole month ago that's crazy. <laughs> month. happy friday the 13th by the way everybody um but yes okay so yes, my it was wall maria wall maria was the one that had the titan forest within it and is the biggest wall and then rose so i do remember now that the titan forest is gonna be coming up soon um now that's where shit gets really exciting and i'm very excited for you to see it because that is when i became very very hyper fixated on this show mm -hmm. um I, I it does play actually a big part and i kind of forgot about it for a bit for how uh excited i got for it um <laughs> the last time that we had dis like described this but um from my understanding about how the walls work is is that the Shiganshina, if I'm pronouncing that right, Shiganshina, um, is the district that first falls, where I believe is where Eren and Mikasa um, is at. And where we're currently at is Trost, I believe. Yeah, we're, um, we're in Trost. Trost. Yeah. And it's all circular. And from how they animate it, it kind of makes like this place seem small. But then we kind of find out that this is actually ginormous. And there's three walls. Um, I'm a little confused about how, like, you, if you see on the picture, how, like, there's, like, these little pockets. Mm -hmm. And I still can't remember exactly what that, like, they don't really go much into those besides the first one, which is where the uh, Mikasa and um, Aaron are from. So I think that's where people kind of live. And then there's also Tross. There's, like, this inner wall, and then there's Tross. And then we go deeper and deeper, in which we'll find out later on more about the inner sides of the walls. And it very much plays out into a class system. Like the people who live outside in the further parts of the area where that's connected to the outside world um, struggle a lot more than the people who are in the inside. Oh, for sure. Um, As like what happened with uh, Commander Pixis and when he was guarding that uh, royal member who I can't remember. And how the royal member had like threatened him. To be like, you know, you have to protect me. I don't know where you're going. And Pixis is like, you know, uh, I have shit to do. I don't know about you, man. <laughs> Much more nonchalant than how I'm putting it. But I, I, he had left, you know, to to not watch the commander. And then as we saw in, in, I think it was the first episode, like, we came back to. Where we saw Mikasa save a bunch of people from the Titans. And this merchant who controls a lot of the funds and the money going to, like, the soldiers. And, like, to give them weapons. He's threatening Mikasa to rip them of their resources if she doesn't pull his products out of the of the hole where he's blocking the exit for citizens to leave. Yes. Um, and then once we uh, once you meet Levi some more, you find out even more about a different part of the area that is probably the lowest part of the class system. 
Um, they don't bring it up much. It's basically underground. Um, it's, I don't think it's discussed much in the show. I'm not sure about the manga. But one thing that I don't remember if I brought up last time is there is, okay, so there's AOT, the anime, um, and then what they do a lot of times with a, um, animes is that they create o- OBAs. Mm-hmm. Um, and Levi, which is, like, separate, like, stories, but it kind of gives you more backstory on, like, different characters if they're important enough. Mm-hmm. Um, or just, like, different stories. I think there's I think there's probably four or five OVAs for Attack on Titan. I'm not sure, because I actually have not seen any of them yet. Um, I'm really desperate into watching the Levi one. <laughs> I believe it's called, like, No Regrets or something. Um, I'm not sure what it goes into, but I know it has more stuff about his backstory and more, I think, of the class system. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, they don't bring up a lot of the... I mean, it's very... There is a lot of classism in here, and we'll get into the whole monarchy thing, because it is a, a monarchy that, I guess, is run by the walls or something and the center of it is where the monarchy is um but i think that's very interesting um i wish i up to this point i have seen i wish i have seen the obas um because they do seem very interesting and they go into a lot more detail about the titans itself and everything but at the same time um i have not yet um there's also the military that we discussed last time which we broke down is broken down into like three divisions there's the scout regiment, which makes up, you know, as of right now, I don't think Aaron and them have officially been, like, assigned to the scout regiment, um, but are kind of, like, helping out. I believe the scouts are the ones who go outside the wall and are usually have more casualties, as we have learned in, I believe it was this episode, episode 10, that we finished on, um, kind of how there's, like, I think... I forgot the percent that I think Hanji was narrating this episode for some reason, which I found interesting. I'm getting off topic, but mm-hmm. the scout regiment, the ones who are, are the ones who go outside, usually have the most casualties. And um, that's why we see Aaron's mom so hesitant for him to join them because they are the ones who deal with the Titans outside the walls. And then there's the garrison regiment who patrol and maintain the walls and the first ones to protect the walls that are destroyed. Yeah, which is what um, Han from the first first episode is a part of, right? Yes. That's the one with the roses. And then there's military police, which was like talked about at length, like between Aaron and Jean, I believe his name is, uh, where they, you know, they're they very much butt heads about that because Aaron's like, you know, it's your duty, like to fight, like for Titans, like well, you're gonna go just protect some royals, and Jean's like, man, I don't want to fucking die. <laughs> police are very much living a simpler life compared to everybody else because they are protecting the royal family and they're pretty much maintaining peace within the walls uh, they're not really I, I think there's only like case of emergencies that they're the ones fighting the titans and a lot of people i mean like aaron said like look down on them because they tend to not do much Yeah, which is, like, that's so crazy to me that, well, to be fair, it is also, like, a reflection of how, I guess, soldier shit is, like, in regular life. It's, like, it's insane to me how, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, get promised things when, you know, you sign up for, like, a military position or anything like that. And most often you'll get that, but at the very, very high cost. But people don't really care the cost that you're paying because to them it's, like, it's your job. So, like, as, yeah. as as that merchant tells Mikasa, it's, like, everyone knows that a soldier's job is to lay down their life. That's what you're, like, as a, that's just what you're built for. And it's, like, that's such a fucked up way of looking at it um, and, like, just so dehumanizing. Like, to, 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 to make it as if putting down, like, a life for a life is just something that happens or should be something that just happens is insane. Uh, and it's on an even grander scale in the world that they live in, considering the circumstances that they have where they're literally avoiding monsters. I think, I think like, especially with the world that they live in, in the, in the AOT universe, death is just something that just happens. And, and to, to most people, I, I think they think it's almost inevitable, um, with the way they've been conditioned to live because there's no other way to survive. 
Uh, yes, I agree. Um, this is very much a universe where, I, I mean, it's it's fucked up, you know. Um, they live their lives, they spend their whole lives in the walls, and there's these ginormous, you know, uncanny titans who literally will come and eat you. And so they're constantly living in fear. And there's a lot of, I think Isayama, especially um, in the newer season, ties a lot of historical stuff in connection to how he created the AOT universe. Um, especially with that scene with Mikasa and the merchant. Um, that merchant, you know, has a lot of, wants to get out, and but also, you know, just kill people in the process of doing so. Um, and it very much parallels to, like, you know, how the rich will, you know, continue to stay rich and also while the poor die. And that's represented right. in AOT a lot, um, especially in the outer walls where we see in the first, like, few episodes when the walls are destroyed, um, a lot of them end up perishing because they don't have the protection of two more walls to protect them. Um, there's a lot of different parallels and historical references throughout this show that's very interesting to me. Um, and I'm excited for you to pick up on them, too. It's um, it's also very interesting, the people who, who seem to join the Garrison Regiment, because it seems to me like the only people who actually are fit to protect people are those within the Scout Regiment, even though they go through the most and are often stripped away of everything in the first few minutes of being out on the field. While the Garrison Regiment, especially, I think his name is Captain Warmer, Warner, how you pronounce it? Um, uh, I heavily dislike was very much like I took an oath and anything that goes against what I think is best is treason basically what he said and uh, and how he was treating Aaron when Aaron is and, and when Armin is like advocating for Aaron with his life it is insane to me that someone like that who is put in charge of manning the walls or even like like in taking such great offense to when he, he is questioned like when um, those other scouts, I think they were scouts or other garrison regiment members who were going to get extra supplies, when Captain Warner was like, I have to leave so I can go lead the back of the reinforcements or whatever. And she's like, we will literally be outnumbered without y'all. And he almost, he literally was like, I'll strike you down if you question my orders again. Like the, like the way he carried himself in that moment and how some of the other garrison regiment like Han, even though he did turn over a little bit, um, carry themselves in this manner of like holding themselves at this higher standard than other garrison, like other garrisons who are on supply teams or even scouts is insane to me considering the most that they do is guard the wall and maintain what is already protected. Uh, which, you know, because it seems to me like they don't go in and fight. Because Han, like, even though he had the gear, was that regiment assigned to protect walls solely, right? But has the protection yeah. necessary in case he needs to do it, but it's not his job to do so. So, uh, at least that's what I it looked like to me. Oh, yes. Um, uh, in, especially in the early seasons, um, we come to realize that... And I can't, I, what's, I don't know the commander's name, the guy that you were talking about, uh, the one that was, you know, trying to kill Aaron when they found out that he was, you know, kind of a titan. Um, but I, there is something that occurs later on um, that kind of unveils more of the shit that is happening behind the scenes of everything um, in this what is and I can't remember what it's exactly called right now, um, but the in, in the walls basically, um, there's something that happens that's pretty big that pretty much reveals what's going on behind the scenes. I will say, um, unfortunate mentality of almost every single person, whether it's the scout regiment, the garrisons, or the military police, kind of have, especially the commanders. I would say, pick uh, commander Pixis is a little different. Um, all have this mentality of survival of the fittest or ma uh, every man for himself. Um, a lot of it's fear-based, as you see with um, Jean in that scene where he is just watching a bunch of his friends just get brutally murdered. Mm -hmm. um, he decides to, he's so locked in fear that he cannot help them and decides that he needs to live instead. Um, and so it's their lives over his. Um, you see that a lot with the commanders. Um, 
I mean, the scout regiment's a little bit different, um, I think, with the mentality, but at the same time, it is really all down to if you're fighting Titans or if you have this role, um, it is my say over everything else, and it is every man almost, it is almost every man for themselves, unfortunately. Yeah, which is like most people would say, I guess, that it's like, I guess it's it's easier said than done to be like, these people should be working together and not acting out of fear. It's a much easier said mentality than to do that, especially with the given situation. But it just seems to me, regardless, it's it's just such a, like, especially with that captain, it's just such a terrible way to present yourself and to act and, and is, I think, very reflective of a lot of, like, people in positions like that today where it's very much like when push comes to shove, they do not have your back and they will save their own ass if it means killing you uh yes like especially as they see fit because a lot of what he was saying was like tre treasonous or this like the other people surrounding him and his fellow commanders were like i feel like we should hear him out and he was like no i took an oath i this is traitorous they're trees they're traitors treason kill them and it you know by my definition and i'm like that's all right a little bit of a jump little you know little hop skipping a jump there <laughs> um and we'll say um, oh no continue go ahead no and it, and it continues to present itself like you said with most of the people in command though it seems to me that usually when it happens to people in command in the scout regiment so far like like you said john had that moment but then as we saw with the trust where this man was on his last thing after what happened with mikasa and and using how aaron taught him because he was like you know this is your fault aaron but and what i thought he meant at first was that he was saying you know this is your fault like why we're all here but i think at least in my mind the way he was saying it was like he was saying what he was about to do by taking up the position of being a leader and f choosing to fight was aaron's fault for putting that shit in his head <laughs> because he was so adamant about telling sean like to fight so he's like man this is your fucking fault that i'm about to do this <laughs> and so he goes in and as um i believe um marcos is his name tells him you made the right call you made a good call in the heat of battle and john is a decent enough leader because he knows what it's like to have that fear like as you as we said earlier like and i think it's interesting that they parallel each other the different groups where based on fear and how they make their choices how the garrison regiment makes their choices based on fear same with the military police like to be fair the military police becoming military police is a choice based on fear most people who choose to become military police are doing so because they don't want to die and they think being close to the royal guard will keep them out of any danger at all which i think is very interesting that one is just literally if you sign up you're you can't i don't know most people just seem to be doing it out of fear i don't think anyone's like i really want to protect the monarchy right now and then and then garrison regiment a lot of their captains are making decisions out of fear hastily and out of out of fear of losing their own life and then so far a lot of the people in the scout regiment when making choices out of fear has been out of the fear of losing their own life but proceeding forward by trying to get their team forward like Jean did even if he did have that moment of of weakness where he was very much like trying to protect himself and how Armin's decisions are all based on fear but he pushes it for the greater good and making the better decision like every time like as Aaron said he's the one who keeps a level head and it's true every time Aaron or Armin has been at immense fear this man comes up with the plan and gets it done and he and he's and he's like smarter than fucking ever <laughs> yeah is a, an intelligent kid he i mean he okay i don't know if you remember before the walls had fallen they were reading a book that wasn't technically allowed to be in the walls because it told about stuff that was outside of the walls so armin has a lot of knowledge um like they talked about the sea and how it's like full of salt and that aaron's like what that's impossible there can't be so much salt salt in the um, ocean <laughs> um uh, and they don't even know what really what an ocean is they're like ma'am what is this concept they don't even know what the word is called but armin has this knowledge because he's a reader and he has this intelligence that's just so impressive to me and he is level-headed and i think that's what makes a great leader and as we continue watching you'll see some of the like you know reoccurring characters that we see on almost every episode kind of transform into this type of like leader personality 
Um, I will say when we meet Commander Erwin, um, this topic could come back up because he's the commander of the Scout Regiment, um, and he is a good representation of a great leader. Now, mm. um, there is some stuff that happens that you might be like, oh, nope, I disagree with you. But in my eyes, he makes, he unites people in a way. And Armin also represents that, and he does a really well, good job. At like, I could disagree, but, like, like I think it's one thing to disagree and, like, one thing to be, like, I can disagree with, like, that's happened before with certain characters in the show so far where I don't necessarily agree with the way they make decisions, but also it's, like, there's not necess- there no- wasn't necessarily a better one to be had. Like, I could say, I don't, maybe you could have done this, but it's also, like, yeah, that's a maybe, you know, it worked out, so who am I to say? <laughs> i think oh, that'll, yeah. that'll probably happen a lot with people especially in in command um i can imagine especially it happening with erwin considering who he's leading and the decisions he has to make on a daily basis with his whole team yes and um i can't remember what season it is but we will uh like i said before find out more about the military police specifically and what happens behind the scenes and that I think that was going to confirm a lot of the stuff that you just said. Because um, it's a little fucked up in a way. Um, we come to learn some information that is uh, not in the better hands of humanity. Is no, what... I, 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 I would assume, To be fair, I think it's very... like Humanity, especially in this show, but in general, has the tendency to be like... If we can do something, we'll do it and doesn't stop to say, well, should we, you know? Um, yeah. And in this show, I think that's very prevalent because the fact that there are human-titan hybrids is like, uh, you know, it's <laughs> that's very much like, should we Should we have done that? Was that, Do you think that was a good idea? <laughs> and then the fact that, like, the fact what I think is the most insane issue, right? And something I will never, and like, it's not even, oh, it's a show. It's like, this is exactly what would happen in a real life scenario is the fact that AOT is very dystopian, I think is the correct word, where it's an altered version of humanity. It's humanity against a large threat that is bigger than humanity. So we've had to adapt and evolve so we could survive, which could happen at any point. But it is insane to me that instead of working as a collective to go against said threat, they just rebuilt the government. Like that's that's they just rebuilt society with a with a like a different type of government, and then money for three different regiment of soldier, which is like crazy. Like that's so insane to me. Like not surprising. It's just crazy because the more you think about it. And how fucked up it is, like, their immediate instinct instead of more survival was to reestablish a government within these walls that they've now built to protect themselves and and rebuild a society, in air quotes, of sorts. So we, it's, it's, it's very much like trying to return to normalcy as if this is, like, okay. <laughs> Which is, like, it's terrifying because, like, like you said, like, every time I think about the fact that those kids don't know what an ocean is and how the years later the the very thing that they're signing up for um different sides of it are not even going to help them and not only that there are people who who go through all this training just to just to get to a place where they don't even have to fight at all is insane to me like like the more and more i think about it obviously it's already fucked up but it's like the more you focus on it and the more you're like oh this is how it's built and they they use the fact of these tragedies and getting rookies to sign up because you know they want to take revenge because that because most of the people who signed up have some vendetta against the titan for personal reasons aaron especially but most of the people who sign up have like a personal vendetta which is like good way to influence people to sign up and put their lives on the line and then and you you witness it firsthand Um, you have to remember, too, that before uh, Aaron and Armin and Mikasa decided to sign up, Armin's dad, when the walls were, like, destroyed, Armin's dad was, not Armin's dad, grandfather, my bad, mm-hmm. was actually, you know, 
pretty much forced to go out there and fight. Like, they were either in the fields trying to grow crops because there was, like, you know, this food shortage happening, um, or, you know, they were forced to sign up, kind of like the draft, and to go fight these titans to reclaim the walls. And sadly, Armin's grandfather, who is an older man, probably has never fought a day in his life. I don't know what his backstory is ends up passing away, which gives Armin, you know, the motivation to do so and so. I am also now thinking it, thinking of it as a deeper level, and this is, ac- <laughs> it is fucked up. It's it's corrupt. I mean, they, these kids, first of all, I mean, this is very common in anime to make, like, you know, 14, maybe 6-year-old kids, like, be, like, complete badasses. Like, in mm-hmm. the fucking naruto universe like naruto starts off at like six or something becoming a ninja like i don't know why that's like a trope in anime but in this world like when they first start off i'm pretty sure they're like 11 or something Mm -hmm. and that's just like i mean it happens in real life too and i can see the comparisons of like perils from our like our you know you know wars that happen in in our world and it is all very corrupt and it's starting to piss me off a little bit actually it's it's, (laughs) no but it's insane because like like you mentioning armin's grandfather is even more of like like armin's grandfather is forced to come in and help for this greater cause even though the system and they know that this greater cause is like probably not going to be one but hey you know people have this you might as well try mentality right for no concern over the other person and their life beforehand then Armin's grandfather dies and Armin is now brought up with like this thing of like he doesn't want to feel useless like he wants to feel like he's providing but he doesn't seem to be mad at the fact that like at the system itself that took his grandfather away from him like like it's very much when when like how Aaron is very much going into this with like I'm gonna kill the Titans because Titans killed my mom that is like i understand that i guess to an extent because he quite literally witnessed his mom die brutally to a titan so in his mind he's not like the the system and how it's built and how it treats people's lives is not responsible for humanity dying it's the titans armin on the other hand lost his grandfather because his grandfather was forced to go him getting killed by a titan would not have happened if the man was not forced to go at all exactly like it's so like Armin going. I think it's very, very heartbreaking to see a parallel where Armin's grandfather was forced to go and Armin signs up willingly to fight for this cause because he believes that it is good and like righteous and just. You know, I just think that's like a very sad parallel to see. <laughs> Point like, because right now they don't know that the armor and colossal titan are also humans Mm -hmm. um and i think i've lost my train of thought what i'm trying to say is that they're putting they have the blame on these titans without realizing that actually you know what there is a scene coming up actually i completely forgot about this commander ervin will say a line to Aaron. That will make you re. That will basically validate everything that you just said. <laughs> Literally, I forgot this happened. I think it's like probably the even the next episode. I'm pretty sure. But he says a line to Aaron, just out of the blue, that pretty much validates on who the real enemy is. Um, and that's a main topic. Um, in this show is who is your real enemy? Um, when it comes to the system that they that this world is and i will say that this system is uh, completely flawed and fucked and complex and there's so much philosophy going on i was just telling a friend how i could teach a whole philosophy class just based around aot oh it's Um, crazy (laughs) it's it's more insane too because like aaron as a character is like obviously like the dude's just been through it and since he was a kid has had this instinct to just kill like fight his instinct is to fight people is like his whole thing because uh, um something we haven't touched on yet was learning mikasa's backstory and how tragic like truly it is and how she was not always the stoic um like girl that she presents herself to be like literally all the time and like the strength and that she's not as strong as she presents because as we see when 
Aaron when she is at the brink and she and, and Aaron is like the only thing she's holding on to, which is why we also now understand why she holds on to him so tightly because like Aaron is practically the only thing she's holding on to at this point. Like she has nothing else to hold on to and Aaron showed her the slightest bit of kindness when she was at her lowest point as a child uh with yes. no hesitation like i'm also glad that we got that because i remember in the first few episodes i was like i don't like the fact that aaron is very much like seeming trying to distance himself from mikasa so i like that they gave us that exposition as a kid that aaron is a fucked up guy and he's trying to show that he cares for the people in his life in his own fucked up little way <laughs> as, as best as he knows how to um and I hope that their relationship improves and they're able to get closer instead of always being at each other's ends of trying to protect one another or not feeling like they need to be protected. Yes, I will say, um, uh, we okay, so yeah, we did get to learn, and I for, totally forgot that we got to learn a little bit of Mikasa's backstory pre-Aaron um, rushing in to save her. Um the Ackermans are an interesting family. Um, we get to find out that, you know, they lived in this cabin um, with, so it was Mikasa, her dad, and her mom. Her mom is Asian. Um, her dad is, I'm assuming, German, white. Um, <laughs> it, they're kind of all, like, the basically anyone who's, like, white is based off of, like, German ascent, I think is what I mm -hmm. have come to realize. Like, Jaeger is a German name. A lot of them have German names. Um, and we come to find out that, you know, these guys come in, and they are trying to uh, kidnap um, uh, uh, Mikasa and her mom for the reason that they are Asian and the fact that it is very rare to find, um, you know, pe people that are Asian in the walls and that they were like oh yes we can sell them to you know the rich people the wealthy people because they're gonna want them and stuff and unfortunately mikasa's mom passes and her dad passes they get killed um the way they shot that scene though really confused me the first time around because we get that scene where grisha who is aaron's dad and aaron come up to the door and knock and then uh, grisha opens the door finds Mikasa's family massacre and then is like Aaron go stand by the you know the bottom of the hill I'm gonna go get the military police but then all of a sudden we jump to like you know meeting Mikasa's family the guy is coming killing Mikasa's dad um Mikasa's mom and then Mikasa being tied up and then all of a sudden Aaron's on the opposite side and I'm always still a little confused about how that happened um I don't know if the guys took Mikasa into another room and then Aaron, like, came back and, like, tried to save Mikasa or if he was there beforehand and knew about it somehow. Uh, well, what I'm assuming happened is that, like, their little place was not far from, uh, like, where they were at and Aaron went to go look for it himself and found it. Because I also have to assume if you're trying to kidnap someone, you can't be far because, like, you run a bigger risk of getting caught. <laughs> like, yeah. The farther that you are so i assume you know his dad was like stay here i'm gonna go do something and aaron was like nah fuck you dad and like found the place and his immediate instinct was like they're probably in there and to fight them because <laughs> we also like... see that it took some amount of time because i think in the scene you can see like it's a little darker some time has passed since mikas has been taken yes um and you know aaron goes karate chop on them with a knife and for a five or six year old just completely brutalizes them brutalizes them yeah. until the point <laughs> that he finds out that there's a third person and um i had mentioned to you that this following scene was like rather important because once we find out more about the ackermans it will become uh, prevalent of the way mikasa reacted to this um which is where I think that she kind of dissociated for a second and then realized, you know, this is how life works. I don't know what the, the like, correct philosophy term is, but she very much comes to this realization that it is eat or be eaten, uh, which is still the concept of survival of the fittest. Like, the victorious will survive. Darwin created this a long time ago, blah, blah, blah. 
um, she comes to this realization that if she does not kill this guy, mm -hmm. that Aaron is going to die and that she will become weak and she will not survive. And it's, it's interesting, though, because it, she carries that and yet she also carries the positive side of it, as we saw where she, she is going to die and she chooses to remember moments with Aaron and she repeats her old philosophy. You know, this world is cruel, but it has, you know, it has its moments and it can still be beautiful, which I think for a character like her, who has been continuously shown as being somebody who doesn't care a lot except for Aaron. And even then it's been like so serious that it, it doesn't not doesn't feel disingenuine, but it's very hard to feel it empathetically or like in that sense, because she's so serious about it. And it and and I like especially like we get to see it on both of their ends when uh, Mikasa is giving up and, you know, she comes to the conclusion, you know, the world can also be beautiful. And we see even more emotion after Aaron exposes himself from the Titan carcass and she just breaks down in in relief in, in I don't know, in any other emotion that she may have had the minute that she lays eyes on on him thinking that she had lost him. Oh, yeah. And that scene where she's, like, just, like, on the ground, like, you know, giving up. She, like, jumps from, like, nihilism to absurdism. And she's like, F okay, you know what? I get it. This world is fucked up, but there's also beautiful things. And Aaron's alive! Heck yeah! My only family. And I always really enjoy that. It's it's good to see. Um, I mean, when I first watched this, I literally thought was like, oh, so this is going to be a show where they kill off the main character. In like the first five episodes okay moving on <laughs> didn't see all of this coming but yeah it's 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 interesting to follow the thought process of the characters because um if you remember sasha she was the potato girl yes yes um, I, love her. We, <laughs> I love her too great great character um she seems she has a very opti op um very Optimistic. positive Optimistic, yes, there's a word I was looking for. Optimistic <laughs> outlook, while, especially when they were on top of a roof, she was like, come on, mm. guys, we can do this. And everybody else was like, uh, we are going to die. And she has like this very optimistic outlook, while everyone else is just like, no. But also at the same time, she is also struggling with, like, you know, her own shit. And we see that a lot with, like, all of the characters, their different thought process, like, especially with um, Jean and that conversation he has with Marco, and Marco telling him that he's going to be a good leader. Like, they have to... I know it's char technically character development, but their inner monologues, that like, the snippets of inner monologues that we get to see of them is just always so interesting to me. Because mm -hmm. it makes me help... It helps me process if I was, like, in this world, <laughs> I, like, how would I react and stuff? Um, there's different, like... I mean, obviously, different characters have different, like, ways and stuff. The only one that we haven't really seen much of, and I think it's just probably because of his character, is Connie. I mean, Connie, um, Connie, Connie great is, guy. Connie is very much, I think, a a low-key backbone for his, his team, his little squad, because mm -hmm. he has not had a breakdown. At least, not one that has been as extensive as we've gotten from our other main characters. He has picked himself up. And he has continued to push when he went to go see Mikasa and Armin, when he followed Armin in, in to find that other Titan, even when like he missed that Titan in the background. You know, he had his moment, but he recomposed himself fairly quickly for someone who just missed his target. And I I don't know. I like and I like him a lot as a character. I find him actually like very interesting for the little things that he he does. Because I think it's very interesting that someone like him, who who especially has presented himself as very goofy, has managed to to keep up with all the shit that he is consistently being put through. Like, I think that's another big thing is that there are a lot of these characters, I think, like Connie, who even though we haven't gotten an inner monologue from him, seems to present the same way as Mikasa, where it's like he knows that the world is fucked up and he knows that there's little chance of it getting better, but shit if i'm not gonna fucking try to make some kind of difference like for it and and mikasa i think has that a lot too because even when like she's gonna give up her body is still moving and like fighting because she has that instilled in her like no matter how bad it gets there is good which i think is the strongest type of mentality to keep up 
Like, in this world, if you just had a fuck it, we're all gonna die mentality, nobody could blame you. Like, when, when I hear characters say that shit in the show, I'm like, I completely understand. I, I like, I can't be mad with you. I, I can't be, like, oh, disappointed. It's exactly the mindset I would expect for someone in your position. Like, I would expect nothing less. So the fact that there are characters like Connie and even Sasha, even though she has had her big freakout moments, and, and Mikasa, who choose to keep that, like, there's good, there's still good to be had, when we can keep looking for the good if we just keep going. I, I find them so much more compelling because they just because that's something you choose you choose to keep that mentality and to use it to push like keep pushing forward most people are not just born with that mentality that there's good in everything it's something that you like you choose and you fight for and and shit it's hard enough to fight it when you're just living like a regular ass life and now you got them here in this dystopian world with these monsters and they're still having that shit and and fighting which is and, and it's not like to the extent of Aaron where it's like this instinctual thing where he's like, I have to fight. I've always had to fight. And now I'm fighting for revenge. It's like I'm fighting. They're like they're just fighting because they're like, there's got to be something better. There has to be. <laughs> right. And um, where I'm at, we know like very little of Connie. Um, I very much think that Isayama wrote him along with Sasha um, to be the comedic relief. Um, and like we, th I can't. I think there's like a small bit that you find out about him, um, as of right now. But I honestly believe <laughs> maybe this is just a headcanon for mine. But Connie gives me that like, kind of like, mentality of like, or just personality of like, eh, life is shit. I have nothing better to do. Might as well sign up for the scout regiment. You know. I'm bored. I don't know. Like, I could probably do something. I might not be Mr. Aaron Yeager over here, who is a fucking titan, by the way. But, hey, I could do something. You're not wrong. I think that... You're not wrong. I, 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 I do get those vibes from him as well, where it's very much like, I mean, I could, tr like, I, listen, I might as well try. Like, I don't think, yeah. like, I don't think, the like, I'm not saying I don't think he's had nothing traumatic happen to him. But I, I think he's just kind of been like, listen, I might as well try to make a difference as best as I can. <laughs> and yeah i think that he just like ah uh, i can't remember if there was like you know if there's ever like reasons of why everybody decided to join um in the first place or to sign up to like be assigned one of these three divisions um but i do get that from him um sasha is a very interesting character and actually turns out to be a lot more complex um as the show continues and i just i has just want her to be I just want her to live a happy life with that blonde girl who I can't remember the name of. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what's her name? Krista? It might Do, be. I don't even, I don't even think we got to see much of Krista no, no, in so, okay, I brought it up because she was in the first episode where we get back and Sasha's like, you know, you must marry me. And I was like, that's a little fruity. It's a little fruity, Sasha. It's a little fruity you, of you. you you will you you will find out who's fruity with Krista actually. No, you said <laughs> this. You said this fruitiness. in the first time around recording because I they had their little fruity moment at the beginning in in the little camp where where Krista feeds Sasha after she's like been running the whole time because she got punished for eating the potato. And yeah. I and I and then when she was like, you know, you must marry me after this. The way she said it very much had like a haha JK unless type of vibe. So it was so I'm very excited. Like I just I just want to see more of them. Like this this show, especially like the the last the beginning three episodes that we watched today have been angst. It's been angst, 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 angst. Oh yes. So like and to be fair, uh, for me to expect anything different considering the material, is wishful thinking. But <laughs> but. I hope to see more of the interpersonal relationships between characters like that um, grow because I think it would be nice in the midst of all the chaos that is happening to have them grow closer and, and be able to show that. Like, and, and obviously, you know, they most likely will, but I really want it to feel like interpersonal, like very much we are bonded, not just bonded beyond fighting. <laughs> Yes, um, they're, all of the characters, 
I, yeah, you. I can't wait for you to get like further into this. And once we hit um uh, the part, and I'm pretty sure it's at the very end of season one, maybe beginning of season two, uh, the Titan Force, you will see a lot of the interpersonal relationships grow. Um, and then there is a another part, another arc that happens where you see them happen even more, and you start to become very much attached to this whole group that is happening. And it's it's very good, and it, a lot of it is fruity. I don't know if it's just, I don't know what is up with a lot of these manga writers and the homoeroticness <laughs> that happens between characters, man. But it is, it, there is some fruitiness happening. Um, uh, I can't say much because I don't want to spoil anything, but it does happen. And I can't wait for you to get there and message me about it because... <laughs> It is something that I wish it happened sooner, <laughs> but we are so very early on. There's a lot to still learn, um, uh, and I don't know. It's it's crazy, um, but where we are at right now, we find out, yes, Aaron has the ability to switch back and, well, kind of switch back and forth between, I guess, like his Titan form. Um, and I guess human, I mean, I, I don't, did you catch the part where, he, uh, before they had shot that cannon at him, where he was having memories of his dad in the bunker? Or yeah, like, I guess the which, like, so we also finally find out that apparently, like, the needle was not, like, this titan thing, but rather, at least, well, like, considering the circumstances of him explaining it, he was like, I'm going to erase your memory, and so, and then while holding the needle. So I assume that it was some am, am, amnestic type of thing to, like, prevent him from remembering this encounter. Um, and now it finally also gave me the timeline, like, okay, so they met up because he's like, my dad's been gone for five years. So a lot of time has passed. Like, I think, what, three years had passed since he went to go join the scouts. So it just had to have happened right before or around then which also like again if the timeline adds up i'm assuming that that scene that we saw where his dad went to go look for his kids he eventually did find out where they were going and meet up with them because there's no other way that it makes sense maybe it'll be shown even further but then again like i I digress that's a timeline thing i don't really care about right now like in the big scheme of things um uh, from what the... i got of understanding at this time mm -hmm. grisha which is aaron's dad's name um, does survive the, uh, um, uh, you know, destruction of the first wall. Um, and somewhere between, uh, um, the destruction of the first wall and Aaron becoming, uh, you know, starting training, um, or maybe even before then, there is that period where he does the whole shot thing. Um, that is what I, after rewatching it finally and seeing that scene of him remembering stuff, that is what I finally gather. It has it has to be somewhere between after the wall goes down and before, before or yeah, it has to be before he joins, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, because if it's been five years, it was probably around that time. Yeah, it's so confusing, man. <laughs> the way that they also like shoot this and like compare it, because like, <clears throat> I didn't read the early. I have not read uh, the early on manga, so I have no idea what how it compares to how they like you know shot the anime um, or how it like matches up in any way. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, I mean, of course we're gonna find out more, and that's and that's more usually what I'm waiting for. Like I, this this is a show where it's like I could develop theories all I want. But truly, it's like none of them are sound enough for me to be very confident on it, except for like the few I did make where it was like, you know, obviously, if if Titan human hybrids are a thing and like the Titans look humanoid, I am assuming that the Titans are born out of being mixed with something human like humans are being used and mixed with something t Titan vice versa, because Titans could just exist as like a thing. And they're using like DNA from that. But like that's that's all. And then we had touched on that a little bit when we spoke about it the first time and it's like i think that is pretty sound considering especially because of han in the first episode seeming to recognize the face of that one titan and letting on that he knows more than he appears to know not by much but like he obviously 
has a theory of his own or knows. <laughs> uh, right. And, God, it's it's ho- it's so hard for me right now to talk about this without, like, spoiling, <laughs> like, especially season four. I think I mentioned this last time, but the thing about AOT is, like, you watch it and you get into the first season and you'll be like, oh, yes, I totally understand the plot. Second season. Uh-huh. I don't get the plot, but now I do again. Third season, same thing, and then fourth season is just like, okay, no idea what the fuck is happening, but it is happening, and it has to eventually make sense, you know? <laughs> Some shit has to eventually make sense, and I will give credit to Isiyama. I'm pretty sure um, when he first started this story, um, you know, came out with the first chapter, um, I think I remember reading an interview somewhere or something that he had already planned out everything that was going to happen and knew the ending from the beginning. Oh, that's now, impressive. I don't know. If um, I mean, yeah, Guy is super intense. Um, I mean, he is incredibly, he's a genius. Um, I give credit to him, but he also is absolutely insane and wants to make a, uh, uh, you know, bathhouse of all, a hot spring of all of his fans' tears. <laughs> so that says something about what you have going on for AOT. Um,. <laughs> It's, I mean, I'm excited especially to finish season one um, just because, uh, just also to give a disclaimer to people who are listening. Uh, so what we plan on doing for the next part is instead of doing it in installments, uh, I'll be watching it on my own mostly. And then we'll come to discuss it like when I'm finished or halfway through whatever to decide. But season one, we are like watching together and going through. And season, I never, I stopped at season one. I don't even think season two was out when I stopped, or if it was, I could not get a hold of it at the time. And so I don't know anything about anything. Like season one, I stopped, and then because I was not involved with anime, much less AOT, um, or AOT, much less anime, um, I never got spoiled on anything that was happening. Um, so I have no clue, like, what to even expect for season two. I, like, season two will be me going in completely blind. I don't know, like, I, like, (laughs) so I'm, I'm very excited to get to that point because that, I think that'll suck. Like, I'm already sucked in when I have somewhat of a prior knowledge base. I can only imagine how I'm going to be when I'm working with nothing and and I'm truly just guessing at this point where this, where it's heading. Yes, I went, when I first watched this, um, I almost, like, I, this is just my mind, though, when I, like, fall in love with a show, and it's, like, you know, a show that you can theorize so much, mm-hmm. especially with this type of stuff, I hyperfixated on my theories in my head. I would spend, like, just hours just processing every bit of information, I was like, okay, well, this matches up here, but, you know, that doesn't really make sense, and now where I'm at, I'm like, you know... I was wrong about a lot of stuff and I'm pretty stupid, but it's just, it's very genius. And I am excited for you to, you know, get up to season four, part one, and for you to be able to conclude this with me <laughs> because I am very, I'm sad I for mean, it to be ending, it'll be but I'm even, very excited. It'll be even more fun because if I can manage to catch up, like, you know, uh, which I, I think I will because I don't think the second part of season four will come out for a while. Um, it'll be even more fun because we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll not have someone to like go through with it together. (laughs) Oh yes. Um, it's, it's going to be a journey. I will say that. (laughs) Um, I think, I think, I think season, uh, four part two is like supposed to come out in like winter of this year. Um, but that's before them. (laughs) That's all that they gave us when they announced part two. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when part one came out and, you know, people were, the manga has already finished and there was people reading the manga and people were, I, I got some stuff spoiled for me at the time and people were like, oh, I don't know how they're going to finish this and stuff like that. Um, they were like, are they going to do a movie? Like what's happening? Because they also switched animation studios. Yes. Because I remember you spoke season, on that. Yeah. After season three, um, the stuff that I guess continues on in the manga, um, was, for the animation studio, who I can't remember at the time, did it um, before Mappa did picked it up. We're like, um, we can't do this. There is no way in hell this is going to be able to be animated, which made a lot of people upset, obviously. Um, and then Mappa, who has done um, shows like Jujutsu Kaisen and um, Banana Fish, 
um, picked it up and was like, I got you, homies. We're going to use a lot of CGI, but I got you. So it's very exciting. Um, I think it's going to, you know, once part two comes out, it's going to very much crash the internet um, and destroy po- probably a lot of people's lives are probably going to, like, you know, want to seek out therapy after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, we'll get more into it as it goes. But uh, I think for now, this is a good place to, to cut it. Uh, yes. I, you know, I cannot wait to, to, you know, I'm actually very excited also because I, I remembered, so we, we got through Fraggle Rock, which should be going up after this one, the second part of that, and uh, I'm very excited that we got through a bulk of it because the the second thing I had on my list is going to be very fun to watch because uh, it's, it's <laughs> as you said, the creator of your thing was very much like, I want to make a fountain out of my fans' tears, uh, this show that I'm thinking of uh, has had did that to me, and <laughs> and I'm sure it will pro- provide the same. But oh boy! Up until then, uh, thank you to those who are listening, and hopefully we will see y'all for the next one. Goodbye. Thank you guys. <laughs>